Welcome to In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chambers podcast, where we talk about everything Charlotte with area business and community leaders. Here are your hosts, Chamber Chief Operating Officer Michael Orzak and CEO of Chase Media, Diane Chase. Hi, welcome everyone to In The Loop. I'm Michael Orzak, along with my co-host, Diane Chase. And today's episode, we'll be talking with Woody about the Charlotte FC Football Club. We are thrilled to have him here today on our show. Welcome, Diane and Woody. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Welcome, Woody. We are so thrilled to have you. And want to thank you again for the recent event that you did with the the IABC, AMA, PRSA groups that really brought out a lot of uh, the things that you do on a daily basis to make Charlotte Football Club such a huge success, not just organizationally, but also in the community. So stepping back a little bit, how would you um, kind of say that you came to be where you are? What were some of the the biggest uh, journey points you had, shall we say? Sure. Thanks for having me guys uh, today. Um, so yeah, no, it's been it's been a long years. I've been kind of graduated now for I think 10 um, of those. So I graduated 2012 um, from Greensboro College, so just up the road in North Carolina. So it's been kind of a, a long and windy road for me to get to, to this point. Um, as a kid, you know, I always wanted to be in sports. I didn't know necessarily what, but I knew I liked sports and I knew I liked media. Um, so which that led me First, down to kind of the journalism route, which I was uh, I was a TV producer out in LA for NFL Network, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, it was a it was a good kind of uh, learning opportunity. I had a lot of fun, kind of in a creative sense, um, out there working TV. Worked on a great show with a good good production team, so it was really fun for me. But I always wanted to work in soccer, so soccer was kind of the sport I've always loved. I grew up playing it since I was three, played it in college and I always wanted to get back. So an opportunity came up to, to move to New York to work with New York City FC um, in their uh, media relations department on the sporting side. So I kind of took the, the opportunity to jump at that, uh, worked there for four years, kind of led the day-to-day media operations there on a, on a sporting side. And then the opportunity in Charlotte came up. So I always knew since the team was announced back in 2019, even before that, when it was rumored quite a bit, I was always checking updates and hoping and, you know, wanting to eventually be in Charlotte one day. And the, the team was announced and unfortunately was delayed a year for COVID. Um, but after that, I, I was still really wanted to be here. And it was really the only place I'd probably left New York to come to would would be Charlotte FC. So thankfully, it all worked out. Got here last August. So just over a year now. Um, and yeah, enjoying it so much. That's kind of a quick little run through of how I physically. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. From New York City to Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a beautiful thing. Well, what do you um, cite, if you will, in terms of some of the biggest challenges and the biggest, biggest successes you've had in your time here with Charlotte FC? Sure. We'll start with the successes. I think those are a little bit easier to talk about and come to mind much quicker. So success, I think for us, um, we've had a few. So obviously the first match was incredible. It was an incredible moment for Charlotte, incredible moment for the Carolinas. We you know we talk about a lot about we didn't bring soccer here. Soccer's has a long history um, here, not only in North Carolina, but in South Carolina, here in Charlotte, out in Raleigh, down in Green, like everywhere, um, down in Charleston specifically. And so I think that was a good moment kind of 
for for the country and for really the world to to see what kind of city, what kind of area the Carolinas is when it comes to to soccer. So we obviously broke the attendance record MLS. They got the time we played that game. We were the second uh, biggest game in the world uh, at that point. Um, and so it's something we're really proud of. And it took a lot of work from a lot of people in this office to, uh, to really pull that off operationally, marketing wise, ticket like our ticket team did an incredible job. So just to have that um, that moment um, was awesome for for us. And I think a lot of people here um, were really proud of what we accomplished. But at the same time, we knew that that shouldn't just be the way we define our successes, uh, especially for this inaugural year. So I think some other positives of kind of how we've kind of captured an audience here in Charlotte is you know, we're, we're getting 30,000 people every game. And I think a lot of, a lot of critics might've said after the first game, you might see that tell off, but again, we, we didn't want this to then, you know, have this really big high and then fall off a cliff. And so that, that work has gone on. And I think, you know, it's something we're, we're really proud of there. So to keep that sustained success from a, from a fan perspective, uh, from an atmosphere perspective is, is awesome. I think our stadium production team has done an amazing job making the in-stadium experience very different and very good and very exciting for fans wanting to come back to. Um, you know, so I think those are kind of two two big successes for us. I think off the pitch as well, we've established ourselves in the community. Dustin Swinehurt, our community um, director, does an amazing job all throughout Charlotte, all throughout the Carolinas, really on some military bases and just taking soccer to places that A, want to play it, but B, um kind of you know might not have access to safer environments and things like that so um it's it's been great to see the work they've done in the community especially along with some of our partners um helping there on that building community pitches um and just kind of getting soccer to, to where people are kind of meeting them where they're at um in those spots so i think highlighting that the, the off the pitch and then some of the business side i think we we lead the mls in, in a few different metrics and i think um it's really important for us um because i think a lot of people think of charlotte as a small market um but you know what we've been able to do on a business side has been pretty incredible um throughout the league um you know there's been some good highs as well like there's been some good moments some good games uh the game against red bull i think comes to mind uh for us beating nashville beating atlanta that was a big help for us so a few good moments uh our first win Obviously, at Bank of America Stadium, we've we've won a lot of games at home, which has been very positive. Struggled a bit on the road, so but obviously with that comes a lot of challenges. Um, we're not we're not blind to our challenges. We're not shy. We'll talk about them. Obviously, we had a coaching change, which was very difficult for us um, mid season. A coach that was very well liked as well by you know a lot of our fans, um, and a coach that was really highly respected um, in media circles when we when we hired him. So that's a that was a challenging moment for us and. One that, you know, signals, you know, some red flags, I think, to a lot of people. Um, uh, there's been some some front office turnover. Um, there were some, you know, even just kind of smaller things like, uh, you know, your your ticket prices are too high. Um, things like that where, you know, there's there's a lot more to the story that goes on behind the scenes and, of you know, some of these bigger moments and some of these more um, challenging moments that we've had to get through. But um, but yeah, I mean, those are the ones that kind of come, come to light at, at first. Yeah. So I have a question as a fan, 
when I go to a game, do I have to learn how to sing and sing along with the crowd? And then did you are you the one that pulled the plug so everybody had to sing the national anthem? <laughs> It was him. I found out the scoop. Yeah, no, I mean, that's I'll I'll answer the second one first again. Um, So, yeah, the National Anthem moment was probably the coolest moment I've been a part of, I think, just from a sporting experience. Um, And I was down on the field, so I didn't really realize what was happening, because like when you're normally at a game, you hear the crowd sing, you like, you know, you're you're kind of into it. It's kind of the National Anthem. You're kind of just you've seen it done so many times. It kind of becomes routine. You don't really go along with it and so this one yeah it, it kind of happened and then i remember not thinking too much of it when it happened i was like oh it kind of sucks that we had audio it she was like that's not great it's not a great first impression and then i remember you know i think maybe halfway through the game or something i remember ashley strohline from wcnc put out a tweet and like it got up to like a million views and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this is actually a really cool thing. And it's actually become a very awesome tradition that we have and something that's been very organic as well, that just the fans went and did it. And so so it's really cool to see. No one pulled the plug. Believe it or not, it was not planned. We couldn't have scripted that, um, even if we did. A lot of people did truly ask us that, um, of if you know we planned it through. I was like, no, like we wouldn't we wouldn't try to do that. And so, but we did, I will say we did have conversations about should we try to see if it sticks. Right. And I know we talked about this a little bit of the panels. I was on the sense of like, no, I, 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 this is a spot I was very wrong at. Um, I can admit, but I, I didn't think it was something we should continue to do throughout the season. Um, just because the national anthem does have like kind of a tradition and it's like the performers want to perform and, and things like that. But um, thankfully I was outvoted in that meeting to, to try it again, the next game. And then when it worked to, to the same effect in the next game, I was like, I was blown away. I thought part of the reason I thought half the stadium was now going to be gone. So it might not have the same effect. And so, so yeah, I was, I was blown away that second time. And thankfully I was wrong. Um, in that no one listened to me on that front and the tradition has been great, but kind of overall to, you know, I think. One thing about our fan experience is we have different kind of ways for people to interact throughout the game. So if you want to jump and sing and stand and shout, like our support section's pretty massive, right? I think it's 3,500, I think I want to say, um, 4,000, something along that. Like, so it's, it's a rowdy bunch, but at the same time, it's, that's only, my math is very bad, like an eighth of the stadium or the people in the stadium, right? And so there's other ways to interact with the game. So if you want to sit there and sing, and shout and do the pause name beforehand and jump up and down you can do that from anywhere but if you just want to enjoy the game with your family like that's okay too um so we don't really want to police how people enjoy soccer we just want people to come and experience it um and really just kind of embrace what it is and i think the people that have done that have come to really appreciate it even if they don't know a lot about soccer they're just having a good fun time and i think the singing shouting drumming helps and it's so fascinating. I, I love that story, how um, what appeared to be a big fail, because in, when I'm like hearing this story or seeing it, I'm like, oh, my God, this person had one job, the biggest yeah. game, the first one. <laughs> how could they not get it? And then to have, uh, you know, I do crisis communication, what is, you know, and one of the things I teach is 
the fact that the Chinese symbol for crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger and one represents opportunity. And so turning a crisis into an opportunity is exactly what you did. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that, that was one of the things, too, is like I had like relatives text me. It's like I just saw this. I'm like, good morning, America, or like or just wherever they were finding it. Like and it, it truly did take off. And it was it was kind of awesome. And it's it's one of the better traditions, um, I think, in MLS um, and in sports. I remember I think the Observer wrote that like this is now the best tradition in charlotte sports um which was which is a great great for us because i think we needed that early on to kind of sustain some success of those those kind of oh actually look how fun those charlotte sea games are and that was just a part of it yeah well it really it really engages people in a whole different way uh, any kind of sports fan they feel like they're really part of this great experience every time they go to a game yeah, individually. And yeah, and it's one thing too. It's like I think a lot of the conversation, you know, the past few years, the national anthem has been very divisive at sports games, right? And so this has actually brought our team together in a in, a, in an interesting way. And in and it's it's also interesting that it's you know we're such a, a global game as well. Um, and so it, it, I think it's really cool for the players to see that, and, and, and I think it reminds them a little bit of like an international game because that's what happens at an international game. So when you go to World Cup qualifier, the whole stadium sings the national anthem together because they're just playing an instrumental. You'll see it at the World Cup, and so it it it's something that's that's you know not necessarily not unique to soccer, but in America here, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, getting back to the the business aspect of it, and you cited that as one of the the great successes in terms of the the organizational execution, if you will, of this this business it's a big business right so can you kind of dig into that a little bit what what parts of that operational piece have led to the great success yeah i mean so we have a few buckets um of this right so it's i think a lot of times people think ticket sales right especially in sports business so we're we're very high there in, in mls we're number two um in tickets we're behind atlanta um in that front but um so yeah i think we have a great ticketing staff um, that, you know, has worked night and day um, over the past year to, to to help get people in the building. So I think ticket wise is, I think, what a lot of people think of. But also, in addition to that, you have um, you have partnerships, right? So Ally, obviously a big partner with us, Centene, Atrium, Bojangles, you know, you can keep you know, Coke is one of ours. Um, so we can just keep going on and on and on of. We have a big portfolio of partners um, that have been great to work with. And, and so our partnership team has done an, an incredible job, not only here at the Charlotte FC side, but also kind of at a higher um, TSE side, because we do share some partners um, on that front. So um, partnership wise, we're doing really well um, in the league. And then kind of the last book of that is merchandise um, and uh, like jersey sales. So things like that. So our, our sales have been incredible. Um, when we've had some of the the top performing days and like fanatics where they operate retail stores, things like that, where it's just, we, you know, there there's types of merchandise. You just can't find our team store because they're all sold out, which is unfortunate for us because we want people to have our merch. Um, also supply chain issues have been um, difficult, but I think one of the, one of the good ways that, that I, like it really showed me how, 
how much our fans actually love our team is that when the, there was one game in the summer where the jerseys were auctioned off through MLS, I believe, um, to see, you know, just to, to raise money for um, a charitable cause. And some of the top performing jerseys were Brant Bronico, Ben Bender, um, you know, Christian Kalina, like our Charlotte FC players who people outside of Charlotte don't really know who they are. But they were commanding the same kind of bid in this auction as a Chicharito, Carlos Vela, like your kind of high profile players. And so that really shows like, oh, Charlotte is actually caring about this team and caring about who, you know, who we are. Um, so the merch has been fantastic for us. And, you know, we've um, we have I think I think we have like I know a president used this in an interview the other week. He's like he called it a social currency. It's like. I think it's cool to be a Charlotte FC fan and not necessarily in like a cultish, like kind of weird way, but in like, just like a, like our logos and our swag and our, our, our things like that have kind of like a, a very positive um, influence, especially on in some of the younger demographics here in Charlotte. Social currency. Yes. Super important because it goes to reputation and brand. And that's yeah. really critical to to building success for no matter what your company is or your organization right yeah and i think you see it as well it's you know when we talk about the brand and seeing it out in charlotte it's like i see it all the time and it's it's something that you know when i was in new york i didn't see a lot of not i mean it's a lot harder to stand out in new york it's a city of a gazillion people but but like here it's like this morning charlotte see bumper sticker like in front of me on the way to work like Walking throughout lunch, people have a hoodie on or people have a hat on. Um, and it's just like at the gym, people working out in our short, like it's literally everywhere. Um, and like one of the most amazing things was in South End. Like I used to live down there. And so it's like just watching people go to brunch on a Saturday morning when we play that night, just in our jerseys. And it's just like so shocking of me to see. It's like, wow, like the city does truly care about us. Um, and it's it's a very... You know, I think you see our our merch on a very wide demographic of, of people as well. So it's not only kids, it's not young people, it's not only families, it's not, you know, it's it's across a very interesting kind of demographic. Which is is really a huge mark of success when you can a- appeal to all those different stakeholder groups and mm-hmm. and demographics and and geographies. I think that's fantastic. Gosh, I just um I know. I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say we are so proud of being the home for an amazing soccer operation. So congratulations on all of your success and any parting words of wisdom that you might have for our Charlotte Chamber business members. No, I think, you know, kind of to that point, a thank you, first of all, um, Thank you to, to Charlotte, to the Carolinas for actually coming out and, and supporting us every step of the way. And I think it's it's something that isn't lost on our front office. It's not something that's lost on the players, the coaches. Um, I think it it's it's something we think about every day of how do we sustain this and how do we make it better next season? Because we know what we have and we know we can truly be the best team in MLS with the best fans the best, you know, supporters, the best top of the line things. And we know we have to take it to the next level. So that's 
literally what we are thinking of right now is how do we make 2023 much better than 2022? And that's how the sporting side thinks is how does the team get better? Communications, I have my team, like we met the other week, is like I need everyone to start thinking about what we did well, what we did poorly, what's in the middle, and what we need to do to improve next year. And so that's what we're, we we don't want this to just be a flash in the bucket. It's like, oh, yeah, 2022 is great. That's when Charlotte FC came in. It's We truly want to to come in, you know, plant the roots here and really sustain this to be something special for the years to come. Thank you, Woody. Thank you for spending some time with us today on In The Loop. And thank you, Woody. Thank you, Michael. And we will see you at a Charlotte Football Club game soon. Yeah, exactly right. Thank you for joining us on In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chamber weekly business and community podcast with your hosts, Michael Orzak and Diane Chase. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please contact us through our website, charlotteareachamber.com. Join us again next week for the latest scoop in the loop.